welcome to another episode of Documenting History. And thankfully a positive one for a change because there's been a lot of good news this week. It was the inauguration last Wednesday, January 20th. And now we have a new president, the 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden. Woo! Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> whoop, whoop. So there's the obvious great news of us having our first female vice president, our first black vice president, our first South Asian vice president, and like the most diverse, basically the entire White House is the most diverse it's ever been. And that's just an obvious win. And it's just great representation. And it's just beautiful to see. Yeah, I mean, the inauguration was very, you know, very proper, very done the way it should be. Of course, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. So people were masked. There were no crowds. The night before, I believe there were actually like hundreds of thousands of flags set up um, on the lawn of the White House. I, I don't remember what it was symbolizing, but I feel like it was like a group for each state, if that makes sense. I know Pence is complicit in a lot of Trump stuff, but I was proud that he could at least be respectful and show up um, to the inauguration, something that Trump could not bring himself to do. And so for that, I applaud or no, not, maybe not an applaud, just like a little slight pat, very, very slight pat on the back. Common decency and yes. respect for those who are coming after you. Yes, and for the inauguration itself, it had a very good program. There was Lady Gaga who performed the national anthem, and then both Jennifer Lopez and Garth Brooks performed songs of hope and unity. What was probably the most impressive was that Garth Brooks came to sing because he's a longtime conservative and Republican. And so by him coming up and singing Amazing Grace, it kind of shows Biden's hope for unity and hopefully um, Garth Brooks fans who share the same opinions can be more receptive to Biden if they know that their idol is Garth Brooks, especially because Garth Brooks is like one of the most successful American artists. <laughs> so he has a very large fan base. It was interesting because I remember in 2017 when Trump was inaugurated, he he could get no like popular singers to perform at his inauguration. And I believe at this one we had like Jennifer Lopez. Her and Demi Lovato were at the Celebrating America event that was hosted by Tom Hanks. And that had a lot of big talent, like John Legend sang, and so did Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi, um, even Yo-Yo Ma did a little piece with Justin Timberlake. It was a very, it was like, it just screamed like happiness. And all the songs had positive messages and just made you want to smile, which for a lot of people has not been a representation of the four years prior which were a lot of looking at the news and just being disappointed. And it was just happiness. <laughs> and another big thing that was unexpected of the inauguration was all the fashion from <laughs> yeah. colors to just looking good. <laughs> like uh, if you look at um, Vice President Kamala Harris, she was wearing purple. Um, 
as a nod, well, it's kind of, there's multiple meanings there. There's a nod to the women's suffrage movement. And also the first thing that I thought of was a combination of Republican red and Democrat blue to kind of show that unity. And you saw um, Michelle Obama, like she was, I would probably call it maroon, but you know, it has a little tinge of blue in there. So it kind of has that Hillary Clinton had purple on. Yeah, they all chose very monochromatic outfits. Mm-hmm. Like you had, of course, Harris, Clinton, Obama, and then you had Biden's grandchildren, the three of them that all had that kind of like trifecta of monochromatic oh, outfits. Yeah. yeah, the Neapolitan grandchildren. <laughs> and they had matching masks. But aside, we had a lot of great talent at the inauguration. But we also had a lot of impactful speakers, one of which was... Um, youth poet Amanda Gorman. Yes, and she was the first national youth national poet laureate, which if anyone doesn't know what that means, it's basically a person that's like commissioned to create poet poems and speak them at like political events and whatnot. And so basically being a poet's her job. And I have a little part from her beginning and her end that just kind of stuck with me to share in case anyone missed that performance, although you definitely should look at watch it because you have to watch it too because she she didn't just speak it she like moved her body it was like a full performance and the poem is called the hill we climb and so from the end of the kind of introduction she goes we braved the belly of the beast we've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notions of what just is isn't always justice which just was powerful (laughs) and a good play on words at the end and then her ending little paragraph was when day comes we step out of the shade aflame and unafraid the new dawn blooms as we free it for there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it if only we're brave enough to be it it's a very inspiring poem and she's a very inspiring person and I'm glad that she got the spotlight I read that big fan of hers and recommended her to speak at the inauguration and I'm glad that she's getting all the coverage she is she deserves it I'm glad that we are putting people of color into the spotlight, especially artists of color and super talented women. So as per usual, whenever a president is inaugurated, they have a general 100 day plan. And that's basically what changes they're gonna make, what executive orders they're gonna enact in their first 100 days of office. So we've laid out um, the basics of Biden's 100 day plan. So we're going to present that to you. We're going to start with what Biden has already achieved. And this is, I believe, his second day or third day in office. And a lot has already been done. So let's get into that. So Biden so far has done 30 executive orders, which is a lot in this short time span, and 10 of which are reversing decisions, executive orders, policy made by Donald J. Trump, our now former president, thankfully. And some of the ones that I thought were prominent and important, and I was like, okay, go Biden, where he stopped the Mexico-US border wall. So no more build the wall. Um, He rejoined the Paris Climate Accord. Yay, environment. He reversed the travel ban. Yay, no discriminating against Muslims. Um, Now there's a mask mandate on all federal property. So no more of Republican senators and whatnot giving COVID to other people. 
now they have to wear masks and also like on transportation between state lines because that kind of falls in that federal jurisdiction then. And now, which I'm concerned why this was never implemented before, but now in, when people fly internationally and land in the US, they have to have a negative COVID test. I believe what it was before was they were just recommended to quarantine after. But yeah. of course, recommended doesn't mean no. necessarily. So those are some hopes that Biden have, hopes that Biden, those are some of the things that Biden hopes to, um, or that Biden has achieved already. And so now we're gonna talk about some of the things that he hopes to achieve, not necessarily in the first hundred days, but um, during his term as president. So the main thing, and of course the most important thing is gonna be curbing, curbing COVID-19. And he's gonna do this by speeding up vaccine distribution and becoming involved rather than leaving distribution up to the states, because that was one of the problems with Trump's Operation Warp Speed is that the federal government was delivering vaccines to the states, but then they were kind of just leaving the states to fend for themselves. And so the distribution wasn't really happening um, efficiently. And so now the federal government is going to be intervening, intervening and helping with that. Um, Biden will be funding sick days for low income workers, um, the ones who are part of the target population who need time off after taking the vaccine. And most importantly, he will be depoliticizing mask wearing. And it's ridiculous to think that this was even a political thing to begin with, but he's going to be enlisting businesses and religious leaders to promote wearing masks so we can hopefully start to get more of the population doing things that are common sense. The second thing is reviving the economy. Biden has frozen student loans. He's extending a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures, and he's going to implement a bill that extends unemployment insurance. Wow, go Biden, go Biden. <laughs> Some of the more, um, I guess, like loosely or not really set in things are gonna be, of course, combating systematic racism. He's appointed this woman to be in charge of affairs in regards to like police reform and education reform, all of those things that are domestic policy. And you already mentioned this in terms of rejoining the Paris Accord, rescinded the Keystone Pipeline permit and he'll be reinstating environmental regulations that Trump had um, gotten rid of during his time in office. And Biden will also start to incentivize going green, which um, has to do with the automobile industry and electric cars. Another thing that I guess isn't like policy, but just like the environment that he's creating in the White House is he's established this kind of zero tolerance policy in terms to, you know, racism, sexism, whatever. For the everyone like working for him, like they do something bad, like like that's not okay anymore. <laughs> Doing that sets an example, not only for the American people of like, wow, our president doesn't tolerate racism or any sort of ism, and also hopefully we'll set a standard for like businesses, where like oh we can also do that or schools or basically any place with a group of people. It's pretty. I think it's a pretty like good thing to not tolerate any sort of ism. Something that I thought was funny that um, Biden had removed was apparently Donald Trump had a Diet Coke button on his desk. Oh no! That when he clicked it, uh, a White House butler would come in with a Diet Coke on a silver platter. And that has since been removed since he <laughs> left office. One of the many things Trump has left Biden with, also including a letter 
um, that people have been speculating as to what is written on it. But Biden did say that it was generous. So I'm assuming it wasn't anything mean. It was probably just like a courteous, like, because Trump didn't go to the inauguration. My favorite thing about the Bidens moving into the White House is they're like a lot more fit. I don't know if Melania, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, as this ex-model, she kind of keeps up. Melania is pretty fit, I feel like. Like, I don't really know much about her, but I'm assuming she does some sort of fitness. Trump golfs, but the Bidens are like really into fitness. And so they have this Peloton. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... (laughs) that they use like every day and I guess apparently fight over not like actual fight but you know rush to get to it first but the whole thing is it like has this kind of internet thing well because and stuff and so yeah so it's a security liability (laughs) so like whatever committees and whatever have to like rewire this thing so that like foreign enemies can't hack this stationary bike and learn about (laughs) It's just so funny. On Peloton, I believe you can take um, classes. And the idea of Biden, um, (laughs) like, listening to some fitness instructor being like, woo, woo, going, going, is just very funny to me. (laughs) Yes. And it's just so cute. And the White House, once again, will have dogs, which is nice. Oh, yeah. Rescue dogs, too. Yes. First rescue dog. So exciting. Which, like, I know it's probably not the most important thing in the world, but I feel like a White House dog just, you know, brings happiness and they're adorable. So what do you hope to get out of the Biden administration personally? That's a big question, but I would probably say just for Joe Biden to accomplish everything he wants to do and just do as much as he can, like, hopefully Trump will be convicted in the Senate and he won't be able to run again. But in case anything goes crazy, I just want a nice, like just kind of build America up again. Maybe like some unification, hopefully just make people realize like you don't want Trump so that we can kind of continue on. I of course want him to do climate stuff and healthcare and racism I don't want him to do racism I want him to help dismantle racism but I think he has an opportunity to really do a transition period so that we can kind of get our act together and then be able to do like really accomplish those bigger things and maybe like he just needs a year of transition maybe he needs four years and then wants someone else to take over but I feel like he has a big responsibility and the sort of transition area. I feel like, of course, yes, I want to, I want him to achieve the things that he set out, but I also just, I want to see some, I was talking about this with my mom earlier, but I've gotten this general sentiment that Republicans don't necessarily have a plan for everything. And sometimes the issue is that Democrats want something to change and Republicans want it to stay the way it is. Like for an example, um, police reform, Democrats want, um, well, generally, I'm not gonna generalize to say that it's a party issue, but generally Democrats are the ones who are pushing for like, police need to have their body cameras on and they need to do implicit bias training and things like that. And Republicans are just like, no, we don't have a problem with 
we don't have a problem with uh, police brutality. We don't have a problem with systematic racism. I just want to see kind of like this goes to the unification thing, but more just we need to come to a an agreement about what problems we have and what problems we don't have. Same thing goes for COVID-19. It's like people are saying people say that COVID is a hoax. People say that 99% um, survival rate. Like people say that it doesn't matter. We need to be able to agree on basic things like people of color and minorities deserve human rights and um, COVID-19 is real and dangerous. So I'm hoping that people will begin to realize that. Yeah, for a lot of the things you mentioned, it feels like it's not like, oh, I don't like that thing. It's like almost like an anti-Democrat thing. Like, oh, the Democrats want this. Well, they're crazy. We Then we'll oppose it. Versus like, if they actually think about it, like, what is the harm of having a, like their, a policeman's or policewoman's camera on? Like, that doesn't hurt you in any way. And it seems like a lot of this is just like, purposeful opposition yeah, which I is agree. toxic and hopefully with um the presidency the senate and the house all being democrats or democrat majority um there'll be less of that like i feel like republican voices still matter but it matters when there's actually an opinion not just like the opposite of whatever you say i'll believe which doesn't help anyone. Like if they have an actual opinion in something that's valuable and they should bring that to the table, they shouldn't not like legislation just based on who proposed it. It should be based on the legislation. <laughs> yeah, another thing I hope for is that the Republican party can kind of, not to, not to tell them that they're crazy, but stop being crazy and kind of escape the Trumpism era that they've kind of morphed into. And this had a lot to do with the um, coup podcast, but we literally saw like Mitt Romney getting heckled on his plane, people calling Mitch McConnell a communist. Just on Fox News the other night, I was listening to Hannity. There's this woman calling Mitch McConnell a communist, calling Ben Sass a traitor to the Republican Party. And I'm like, these are Republicans who I may not, who are at least trying to do the right thing. And the fact that you're denouncing that is just crazy. Yeah, the Republican Party has been infiltrated, and you, yeah, it started with Trump. Now we have all the QAnon people in Congress, and like, there's even that woman who's trying to do a impeachment was, order on Biden. Oh yeah, yeah, she filed for impeachment. And I saw this TikTok, and people were like, "Honey, you can't impeach a man for things he did outside of the presidency." <laughs> like what are you also what did like he didn't even do what she's trying to because it was for election fraud right that she impeached him (laughs) probably was nothing of substance and it's just like you don't impeach someone just because you like them you impeach someone because they did something wrong like whether you believe that trump actually started the coup or something you could say like the coup's like something wrong so that's something at least worth talking about saying like believing in some sort of conspiracy theory that's you're talking about just to boost your popularity and get elected again that's not like a ground for like even talking about we wish our best and all of the luck in the world to president biden and vice president harris and 
also the first lady um biden and second gentleman emhoff like we just hope you get everything done that you want to do live your best life in dc and congrats you did it we did it joe <laughs> all right bye guys bye. see you next week